0: You're listening to Little Green Cheese, episode 43. Well, welcome to the Little Green Cheese Podcast. I'm Gavin Webber, and this podcast is where you can learn about cheese making at home. Well, this week's episode, we're going to be talking about adding things to your cheese. So things like herbs and spices. Now, I've been making cheese with herbs and spices since way back in 2009. And one of the very first cheeses that I made was a Wensleydale. And in that Wensleydale, I added sage, a layer of sage in the middle of the cheese. Now... I had to make sure that the sage, that was freshly picked from my garden so what I did, I put it on a tray in my uh, just normal kitchen oven and at 120 degrees Celsius and I let that dry out for five minutes. Now that killed any bacteria. I'd washed and dried the, the sage beforehand of course. Um, they shriveled a little bit but that doesn't matter, that's kind of what you're trying to do. You're trying to lock in the flavour of the sage and let it permeate through your cheese. So I found that um, that was a fantastic addition, so I was a little bit more excited to try something different. So that Wensley Dahl & Sage recipe is available over at littlegreencheese.com, so you can find that. The next cheese I made was a Pyrenees with green peppercorns, which is very similar to my farmhouse cheddar cheese, which I made a video tutorial about. And uh, within that video, you'll see me adding in red peppercorns in that case the green ones are a little softer you can get those in a you can buy it in a small tin um, and you can add that to your recipe now what I basically do is I add a cup of uh, sorry half a cup of water to a small pot that I have and then I add in the peppercorns I think it's about two tablespoons I'm not too sure I'll have to check the recipe and I let that simmer for 15 minutes and that softens the peppercorns don't use black peppercorns, they're just too hard for cheese making um, use the softer green or red um, that are stored in um, in liquid in a jar I find those a lot easier to use in cheese making so that was a spice that I used, another spice that I've used in cheese making is I've converted a Monterey Jack into what's known as a pepper jack now what I did there was I used dried chilli flakes So I I had um, grown some jalapeno um, chilli peppers uh, in my garden and I picked those and I dehydrated them. So let them dry out, took the seeds out of them. So I'm only using the skin of the chilli, so the the flesh, sorry, of the chilli, not the seeds. And what I do is I then grind that into uh, chilli flakes. So not a powder, but but flakes. And basically it's uh, just crushing them with a mortar and pestle. And what I do is I add one teaspoon of the dried chilli flakes to half a cup of water, simmer that for 15 minutes to kill any bacteria, uh, and then add the water before I add the uh, the culture to the cheese during the normal cheese making process. And then I add the chilli flakes themselves during the milling process of the cheese. So it's a nice tangy, spicy uh, cheese. So that's called pepper jack. So... That's fantastic with, um, I actually make beer here as well. So I, I make a lovely cerveza that I call Aztec Gold and basically it's a a, a Cooper's uh, beer kit, uh, cerveza beer kit and I add 500 grams of light malt to it and don't add any other sugar. So it's a nice beer, a little, very light on the hops and it goes well with, uh, with pepper pepperjack. It's very, very delicious. Some of the other ones I've done, I've made farmhouse cheddar with cumin seeds and caraway seeds. I've done the same sort of thing, so I use a teaspoon. Um, actually, I used two teaspoons in that instance of cumin seeds, so that that kind of equivalent out to a very similar, uh, and I called it uh, komijnkaas, which komijnkaas is is cumin cheese in Dutch. And um, I have a recipe of for that cheese in my cheese making ebook. Um, Keep Calm and make cheese. So there's a recipe for Camina Cast there, which is just a variation on um, farmhouse cheddar. Now, traditional Camina Cast is usually a Gouda, which is a washed rind, uh, Sorry, a washed curd cheese. So during the cheese making process, you actually remove most of the whey. Um, after you've let the curds form and you add warm water to it and what it does, it lowers the acidity overall acidity of the cheese, makes it a nice softer, smoother cheese. So you can add cumin seeds into that and that's called kumina kas. Uh You can do the same thing with a Havati. I've got a, a recipe for Havati um, which I'm going to be making soon. So I'm thinking of adding in cumin seeds to that to make a nice, a traditional, proper, Minor cast, which uh, as I mentioned is from the Netherlands, it's a lovely cheese. Anyway, you're probably wondering what sparked the conversation for this episode. It was actually a voicemail, uh, which I'll play now. I don't usually play those in this part of the episode, but anyway, here goes. It's from uh, Wayne, I think, from the US. Let's just play that. Hi, Gavin. Uh, my name is Wayne. I used to make cheese when I was little with uh, my mother and my Oma. We're Dutch, so that's what we did. One of my favourite cheeses was a spiced Gouda. I was wondering if you could show me how to do spiced Gouda and maybe some Havarti. That's also one of my favourites. Thank you. Well, thanks, Wayne. Appreciate it, mate. What I will do is uh, the next video tutorial that I whip up I am going to try spiced gouda, so uh, uh, I'll uh, attempt to make that the next few weekends and uh, we'll put the video together and we'll see how we go. But thanks very much for your question, Wayne, and, and observation. Yes, spiced gouda or cast is a very, very nice cheese. But there is a variation on that. As I mentioned, I did make a... another video tutorial was just for farmhouse cheddar with peppercorns, but you can substitute... You can substitute the peppercorns with cumin and and make a basic form of Kaminakas or a spice gouda. Um, but yeah, I'll use a traditional gouda recipe because I don't have that type of cheese or Havati in my repertoire of cheese making video tutorials. So thanks for the prompt and that has helped me figure out what the next one should be. I'm going to skip the news section today. I've got so many questions, so uh, let me get through this massive backlog I've got here uh, because I want to be there um, for you during your cheesemaking journey. I want to be able to help you out. So the first question is from Dennis, and Dennis is from uh, Jinjin in Queensland. Uh, He says, G'day, Gavin. I'm just starting out on a cheesemaker's journey. I have collected some gear, some stainless steel boilers, thermometers and etc. and made a couple of soft cheeses. Uh, I realise that to make any semi-hard or hard cheeses, my next thing is to set up a cheese fridge. I have a camping fridge slash freezer I thought I could use to start and I've read about plug-in thermometers on your webpage and have a couple of questions. Uh, First one is, do you sell thermostats? Um, And how much are they? Could I use them for heating control when I make the cheese? Um, I'll have an old electric boiler that doesn't have a thermostat just flat out. Uh, I can use a handhold thermometer and i manually switch it on and off, but the controller would make life a lot simpler. Uh, Cheers for now, Dennis. Uh, Well, Dennis, yes, good news. I do have... A external plug-in thermostat that you can use for heating and cooling. What you can do, I've actually made a video, um, so you can pop over to littlegreenworkshops.com.au and go into the cheese-making section and look for equipment, and you'll see the external cheese fridge thermostat. The instructions are on the box are in Chinese, so it makes a bit difficult, but I managed to work it all out, and I made a. Uh, short video tutorial so just click on the setup video tab and you'll be able to see how to set that to heating and cooling mode so you'll need one for your cheese fridge so you need fridge in cooling mode and set that around 13 degrees celsius and if you're going to have some sort of electric heater set up for a double boiler then you can set it to heating mode and uh, and, and set that over time so uh, that'll work quite well so if you choose not to use the double boiler me- method that I use then go ahead and uh, and try an electric type setup I have seen uh, quite a few uh, other home cheese makers do that and and set up a, a heating element in the bottom of a pot that they then put water in and then they put their cheese making pot and they fit that inside the the main double boiler thing and they use an external thermostat to regulate the temperature and that works very well increment the temperature up so some cheese making recipes say start off at a target temperature of uh, around 32 degrees Celsius and they say over the next 30 minutes go up to 38 degrees Celsius which is normally very hard to control. So if you do have one of these external thermostats um, in heating mode, then what you can do is is put the temperature up one degree Celsius every five minutes, uh, and then you'll get up there slowly. So your milk won't overheat. Uh, it won't rush uh, as you cook the curds, because if you do that, it actually uh, dries the cheese out when you mature it. So make sure you, you, you can increment your uh, temperature of your milk um, for those sorts of recipes, um, one degree Celsius every five minutes, and that works really well. So, hopefully, that's answered your question, Dennis. It's a it's a bit of a blatant plug for my um, external cheese thermostats, but you know they work really well. I've had one running on my cheese fridge now for two years, and I've had no trouble with it whatsoever, uh, and it works really, really well. And they're fairly cheap; they're about twenty dollars Australian. So you can pop over there and and grab one of those over at littleringworkshops.com.au into the cheese making section. So the next question is from Brian, and Brian says, I'm not sure where Brian's from, um, Hi Gavin and Kim, Kim's my wife, he has made um, two lots of farmhouse cheddar from my book, um, and it states that you need two tablespoons of salt, uh, but when I found the recipe on your blog, It only says one tablespoon of salt. Also, he looked in Ricky Carroll's um, book for farmhouse cheddar and that also says one tablespoon of salt. Can you confirm the amount I should use, please? Well, I have replied back to Brian already, but uh, I have mentioned, well, I said sorry for the confusion. Um, I've just confirmed it It is two tablespoons for my farmhouse cheddar. Um, (laughs) I had to check out my video tutorial to figure that out. So I fixed up the blog post. And you can cut back on the salt if you want, down to one tablespoon, but I certainly wouldn't go any lower than one tablespoon because the salt regulates the amount of lactic acid formed in the cheese. I've chosen two tablespoons of salt to inhibit it a little bit and make a more saltier cheese. Uh, I do like it that way, but that's personal preference. You can lower the uh, amount of salt content in your farm farmhouse cheddar if you like. Uh, I hope that answers your question, Brian. Thank you very much for sending it in. Okay, the next question, it's actually an observation. This is from Richard, and Richard is from Northcote, Northcote, sorry, is how you pronounce it, in Victoria, here in Australia, in my home state. He said, hello, Gavin, I just wanted to say how much I've enjoyed your site and the really useful information you so generously given people like me. I'm fairly new to making cheese, All your blogs are fun to read and give me confidence to unravel some of the mysteries of curd size, times for stirring after cutting the curd, temperatures and so on. All very helpful. So far, my attempts at camembert... How do I say that? I think it's a chab and chow... I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, Mozzarella and feta have been a great success, according to my family, and a farmhouse cheddar is waiting to be waxed and looking good. I suspect beginner's luck and a very good two day cheese course uh, are mostly the reasons. Now that I'm trying them on my own, it's a little bit more exciting and have found your website. I will be leaning on it for advice quite heavily. Thank you, Richard. No, thank you, Richard. It really does. I really do like emails like that, that all of my stuff that I pop up there for free is useful, uh, and the content has helped a new cheesemaker become a curd nerd, which is fantastic. That's what I'm trying to achieve, make anybody who wants to be a cheesemaker not be shy and get in there and and get their hands dirty making, um, not dirty, get their hands curdy making new cheese Fantastic. Thank you very much, Richard. And Richard has actually gone on to buy some of my products over at uh, littlegreenworkshops.com.au as well. So thank you very much, Richard, for being a patron of our store. Now, the next question is from Christy. And not sure where Christy comes from. But um, Christy said, Hi, Gavin. We are new to cheese making. And when deciding to start on hard cheese after some success with feta and ricotta, We followed your post and YouTube video to convert a bar fridge into a cheese cave. We thought all was going well, but over the last couple of weeks we just can't keep the thing dry. This morning I had to throw out our first attempt at Havarti, as it was covered in mould and stunk to the high heavens. Besides Googling like mad, it seems the only advice I can find... Anywhere which relates to raising or maintaining humidity, not decreasing it. Would you have, would love advice if you have any? We are becoming increasingly frustrated. I've attached some photos of our setup. A bowl of rice was a lame attempt to absorb some moisture. I'm considering a bowl of salt. Regards, Christy. I do have a little bit of advice, Christy. I had a look at the photos and it looks like. Your fridge that you're using as a cheese cave has cyclic defrost. What that does, and I think you might have it on a external uh, cheese thermostat. Yeah, one of the pictures shows that, which I'll put into the blog post as well. Yeah, it does, uh, it defrosts itself and causes a lot of moisture. I see that your um, hygrometer says that it's sitting at 95% humidity, which is massive. I just went and had a quick look at my cheese fridge, and it's sitting on a nice, um, calm eighty percent relative humidity. Now your cheese fridge is probably fantastic for making cheeses, um, soft, sorry, mould ripened cheeses like camembert and uh, and brie and and any other sort of bloomy rinds. You could just leave them on the shelf. It's so moist in there that those cheeses would really enjoy that and and form a nice bloom but if you're making a hard cheese like Havati um, and trying to make a natural rind then it's 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 a lot more difficult one of the things I can suggest and you may have to get an electrician to do that is um, is disable the cyclic defrost because it is making the cheese fridge um, very very moist so if you can get that disabled somehow uh, you may have to do a bit of research using the google machine and, and figure that out Another suggestion to lower the moisture is to use a box of bicarbonate soda or or buy bicarbonate soda in bulk that absorbs moisture readily. So you should be able to get the moisture down in your cheese fridge um, using bicarb soda in a bowl. Uh, You should be able to get that down by at least 10% 10 relative humidity. So hopefully that'll help. Um, They're the only two things I can think of off the top of my head. I think that disabling the cyclic defrost will be the best option. I've noticed My cheese fridge doesn't have that, um, which is good. It just has a tray underneath, obviously. It, it never gets that wet anyway, so I don't have um, those sorts of issues. So see what you can do there. Like I said, uh, disable the cyclic defrost or uh, add in um, a bowl of bicarbonate or a box of bicarbonate to absorb the um, additional moisture in your cheese fridge. I hope that helps, and what I'll do, I'll pop some of those pictures that you shared with me onto the show notes for this episode. Okay, the last question I'll get to today is from Poppy. Now, Poppy has said, I'm not sure where Poppy's from, says, my husband and I are sceptical about a cheese cave slash refrigerator in the house. Because we went to a raw milk dairy farm once, and their whole downstairs smelled terrible where they kept their cheese fridge. We could smell it our, we could still smell it on our clothes when we left. Is this normal, Poppy? Well, <laughs> I don't think it is normal. Um, something's not quite right there. I think my cheese fridge is clean as a whistle, and has just a hint of cheese odor when you open it. Um, what I do to keep it clean is I clean it out monthly with using just using white vinegar so white distilled vinegar and I just uh, put that onto a bit of cheesecloth and I wipe the surfaces of the the fridge the inside surfaces and that keeps any um, bad smelling molds or bacteria at bay and you don't have a stinky cheese fridge yeah the vi- white vinegar works a treat now um Poppy came back and said, awesome, thank you very much. I can't wait to tell my husband. Thank you very much for your vinegar tip. Your site and video videos are very helpful. Keep up the good work, smiley face. Well, thanks very much, Poppy. I appreciate the feedback. Uh, we'll do one more question. Ooh, this one might go for a while. This one's from Celine, uh, Celine's from California in the U.S., Um, She says, hello, Gavin, I've chosen to make your Stilton cheese after watching your video tutorial using my own used milk. So far, I'm at the first day of turning. My question to you is once I pass the turning phase and you settle to just let it age for four months, how and where and at what temperature is the best environment? I have two wine coolers going for cheese in my house and I have a large commercial fridge where I'm curing pork legs at 55 degrees Celsius, uh, Fahrenheit which is 13 degrees Celsius. Uh, my two wine coolers are ones for bloomy rhymes and ones for uh, brine washed cheeses. I have a difficult time keeping up the humidity I don't have a container like yours for my blue so I put it on a small wooden board covered with a plastic mat, uh, set the cheese on top in a stainless steel bowl with a plastic lid barely on top because I was it was going to touch the other cheese. By the way, it smells divine. I'm pretty good at, sorry, I feel I make pretty good cheese, but I find instructions for affinage in books and videos leaves me a little in the dark. I really enjoy your videos and appreciate them very much. I'll be trying one of your other cheeses soon because I have a lot of sheep's milk right now. Thank you very much. So, to answer your question, what I do when I age my Stilton, and probably uh, the topic for a, a follow up video tutorial, but it'll take quite a while to make. So, what I do is yes, I do put it in a maturation box, keeps the immunity up a little bit. What I do is I actually wrap the outsides of the cheese in aluminium foil for the first, uh, about the first month. Um, so, only the two ends are exposed. I find that helps the blue rind, uh, sorry, the blue cheese mold to not entirely take the cheese over. So, after the month has passed, I then basically um take that foil off and it then grows a uh, grows an outer sort of rind the which firms up after time. Um, sometimes I find that this doesn't work as well as I want it to, and I get this kind of mushy blue cheese underneath, and I have to pull the rind off. But I find that that foil method does work. It keeps the cheese together because um, in my Stilton recipe, it's quite it's quite uh, dry. The curds are after the four days of turning. But uh, what I do, I then turn it for the first for the mirth, sorry, for the first month. I turn it every day, so top to bottom, so it doesn't uh, the fats are distributed evenly, and the mold doesn't grow um, too excessively anywhere. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a pretty simple cheese. You just got to keep it off of the bottom of the the maturation box because if it gets too damp, the mold won't grow at all. So the the skin of the cheese, or the sorry, the skin, the surface of the cheese has to be not as moist as you would expect, say a bloomy rind cheese. So. Yeah, and you turn it. After that first month, then I turn weekly. Um, Sometimes I don't get past the two months if I find that the cheese has already started to form veins internally or you can see a lot of mould growth on the outside of the cheese and I scrape that off. And you can see that it is developing well. Then I'll I'll eat it at the two-month mark. Um, I won't let it go all the way to the four months. But if I can manage to keep the rind on there and it's not too mushy underneath, Depending on the temperatures of the cheese fridge, uh, then I'll mature that all the way to the uh, four-week mark, uh, sorry, four-month mark, and, and, and do it that way. So hopefully that's helped a little bit, Celine. Um, sounds like you've got lovely little production going there with the sheep's milk, and uh, which will impart a different flavor than the Stilton that I make with organic cow's milk. But uh, I dare say it'll probably taste amazing anyway. So hopefully that helps out. So that's the end of the show for this week. Thanks very much for listening. Um, you can find all of my recipes and techniques over at my cheese making ebook, Keep Calm and Make Cheese A Beginner's Guide to Cheese making at Home. That's available in all ebook formats. And you can find that over at littlegreencheese.com. You can also find all my video tutorials. Uh, You can find that on the video tab at littlegreencheese.com as well, or on my YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, curd nerds, and stay tuned for the next episode of Little Green Cheese Podcast. During this podcast, you heard royalty-free music by Kevin McLeod. I played Malt Chop Bop, and Call to the Dairy Cows.